Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, the shepherd of the great flock, we are so in debt to Thee, Lord, that we could never pay Thee for the love that Thou hast shed abroad in our hearts. We feel so unworthy as we bow our heads and stand in Thy presence. We ask You to cleanse us from all faults and all sin. We pray that You'll strengthen our bodies today. Many are sick and afflicted, as it shows here of handkerchiefs and requests coming in on the phone and everywhere. And we believe that we're ending up this world's history now, and soon time will fade into eternity. We want to be ready for that hour. That's why we have assembled here this morning, is to prepare for that time. I am told that there are many of the telephone hookups this morning across the nation from coast to coast. Wherever our voices is coming, may that little group be blessed. Heal the sick that's among them. And I pray that you'll cleanse their souls from all evil. And help us here this morning at the tabernacle that we also may enjoy that great privilege. And we ask that you'll speak to us today through thy written word and may the Spirit reveal to us the things that we have need of as we have gathered nationwide now feeling that we are a small people but have a place among the redeemed because we have believed on Jesus Christ. Grant these things to us, Lord, and when we close the service and we go to our different homes across the nation, may we say, like those from Emmaus, did not our hearts burn within us? As he spoke to us along the road, now, Father, I know that whatever I would say would be certainly insufficient with the, the fine Christians throughout the nation now that's tuned in. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be adequate. It would not be uh, something I could say that could do any good because we're all in the same category. We're human mortals. But let the great Holy Spirit speak. May He take a hold of the Word and just reveal Himself. We're waiting on Him now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I kind of surprising myself, I told my wife, if she happens to be listening in down in Tucson, that... Uh, I didn't think I'd have any service when I come back, and I didn't even bring clothes. <laughs> and I said to my daughter-in-law, she had pressed my coat, and I said, I'm standing behind the pulpit, but they don't know the trousers is one kind, the coat's another. <laughs> I said, ones I wore home, but meaty, she got my shirt on and everything, so every, don't worry, <laughs> everything's fine. Now, we have a request here that there's a very dear brother, and I think that that Prescott, I believe, is hooked in this morning up in, um, in Prescott, Arizona. Uh, Sister Mercer's father 
has just been on his road here to the meeting, I understand, and was had to be taken to the hospital in a heart attack. Brother Coggins. And uh, also Brother Junior Jackson. I think he's in on the next uh, radio down, or the next phone down in Clarksville or New Albany. And his father is in the hospital, I understand, with serious uh, operation of cancer in the liver. So we won't certainly remember those in our prayers. And now there's others here too, but we don't want to take up time. God knows all about them. So let us pray for them now. Dear God, is that dear old wrinkled hand man, Brother Coggins, an old veteran of the field, as laying in the hospital this morning somewhere suffering from an attack on his heart. God, that poor old heart went through much troubles. I pray God to help him. Granted, he, li- he loves life like all of us does, and he wants to live. Lord God, granted, we across the nation pray in Jesus' name for him, that you heal him. Bring him out. We believe that you will, and he'll come right to the meeting. We pray for Brother Jackson, his precious daddy, laying there near death now. And bring in the world a fine boy like Junior. I, I, I pray, dear God, that you heal him. I know it seems impossible. The medics, the doctors, they, they don't know what to do. That kind of a case, but we remember Brother Hall also, when the very best of the physicians here said in Louisville, said he's just a few hours to live with cancer in the liver, and he's living today. And that's 25 years ago because of your grace. So I pray that you'll heal Brother Jackson today, Lord. Let your grace and mercy be with him. And all this great pile of handkerchiefs and claws and Things this place here and requests, you know them all, Father. I pray that you'll grant healing to all of them. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Now, start this morning. I didn't think that I was going to come down at the first place last Sunday. And then uh, again, when we announced it, I come down, Brother Neville had me to speak. And then uh, we announced to be down today. And it hasn't been notified out. Uh, uh, around the country to the peoples. And we got this telephone system now, which is very, very fine. Uh, people can sit right in their homes or gather in their places or churches and so forth and hear the service. I appreciate that. Now, I see laying here, there's been many requests this last week on what I said uh, last Sunday on the message. I believe I forget what I titled it now. But uh, I said something about Paying your debts. And, you know, no matter what you say, it's misunderstood by many, not because they, they don't want to misunderstand it, but you just simply misunderstand it. And now someone said, should we buy a car? Or what should I... That, that isn't what Jesus spoke of or the Bible there that said, oh, no man, nothing. That's lingering debts that you sh- could pay. Pay them. It don't, that's owing no man nothing. It doesn't mean my, we owe our rent, our telephone bill, we, and what more. We, we owe those things, and we pay them. But an old lingering debt that you could be paying on, pay it off, see? Uh, don't 
go with anything hanging on you like that. I remember a time when I was sick once when I was a boy. I come out of the hospital owing about two thousand dollars, and used to be a drugstore here, Mister Swaniger. I owed him about three or four hundred dollars of medicine bill. He didn't even know me, and the man I went to him. I didn't know him, and he just stand up there anyhow. Never refused to send it. And I said, I owe you. And I said, uh, I believe in Swaniger. It was Mr. Mason uh, down on Court Avenue in Spring. And I said, I owe you. And I'm, I'm just still awfully weak, but I'm trying to go to work. Now, if I can't pay you, I just become a Christian. I said, first thing, Mr. Mason, as my duty to God, I owe him my tithes. I want to pay him my tithings first. And I said, then my next duty is pay my debts. And I said, my father's sickly and he... And we got these ten of us children in the family. But I said, I'll, if I can't pay you more than 25 cents on that bill each payday, if I can't pay you even the 25 cents, I'll come by and tell you about it. I'll tell you, I, I, I can't do it this time. Now, by the help of God, I paid every bit all. See? But that's what I mean. See, just don't somebody say, oh, some Christian here at the church one time went out and got some work done on a car here. And the man come down, the man said, I'll pay you, I get paid Saturday or something other, and he never paid him. Weeks after weeks rolled by, never paid him, never said a word. And the man come and asked me, he said, see, it reflects against the church, it reflects against Christ. You can't pay him, go tell him, say, I owe you, and I'm going to pay you, I'm a Christian. But I, I just, I can't do it right now, I've got, I owe this. And remember, it's on God's books too, you know, as <laughs> you do. So that's, I'm trying to... For myself and for all of us together, try to be ready for we know we're getting near something. Very near. Something's going to take place. So we want to be ready when the coming of the Lord is drawing so nigh now. We want to be ready for that great hour. Now, we want to get ready and speak now on a little subject here that I chose for this morning by the help of the Lord. And we'll speak just as briefly as we can because of the Hook up of the people. I hope you all got a, all across the nation, got a fine morning like we have here in Indiana. Nice, cool, fine weather we're having now since the rain, and it's very fine. Now, I want to read from the book of Hebrews, the first chapter, and from the book of St. John, the first chapter. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3, and St. John 1, 1 for a text. My subject this morning is a study in the Scriptures. Now, let's read Hebrews 1.1. God, who at sundry times, divers manners, spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days spoken to us by his Son, who he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world who being in the brightness of his glory and expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. What a beautiful reading. Now, St. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, and my uh, text this morning is Christ is revealed in His own Word. 
Now, where I come to the conclusion to talk on this was because that uh, knowing that what we say we mustn't just say because uh, we're gathered together to just haphazardly speak on anything, but it's something that will help stabilize the people. For uh, we are going to pass through dangerous, treacherous waters. We're already sailing through them. And sometimes, I guess it's with you like it is with me, that seems like that so much of it is such a scary... I was just talking to a young minister and his wife in the room just a few moments ago. And both of them are nervous, just like the rest of the world, rest of the human beings on earth. I said, remember, Satan's got a punch coming at you. I don't care who you are, God, he's got a right for that one punch. Which had you rather be, that punch be blind, or be an arthritic sitting in a chair, or be nervous? <laughs> See? He's got somewhere he can punch you. He's got a right to that open place. Now, that's the spot you've got to keep covered all the time. And to see this nervous age that we're living in, and last week's tapes, I think, will reveal to you the great hideous things that we're going to speak on one of these days when we can get a place sufficient of the opening of those uh, last plagues to be poured out upon the earth, those vials, rather, pouring out of the vials and the seven thunders, and those hideous sights is coming up on the earth. Man uh, now and people today are in such a neurotic condition. The whole world. You read this last month's Reader's Digest. You'll notice the subject that's on Billy Graham, the great evangelist. He got so tired he just couldn't hold his meetings. And he, he went to Mayo's clinic for a physical checkup. There was nothing wrong with him, only... He just doesn't do enough work. And they put him to run in physical uh, exercise. He runs a mile every day. And then the article goes on to say that science has proved that today that young children, these little boys and girls, hit their middle age at 20 years old. And by 25, many times in many cases, girls are out of menopause. At 25 years old. I don't know if you knew it or not, but a few nights ago, while the Holy Spirit was speaking here in the meeting, a little girl sitting down here, that's exactly what was wrong with that child when it called out. I looked at her a second time, looked again, and I seen what was the matter. I thought, it can't be that child's too young, but it was. Menopause. About 20 years old, 23, something like that. See, my mother and your mother struck that age about 45 to 50. My wife struck that age about 35. Now it's down to 20. The whole human race is rotten. Well, if them physical beings of our body is tearing down like that from eating hybrid foods, tensions, as rotten it, does not that also rot the brain cell? Then we can see how women can get on the street naked. We can see how they can speed through the, uh, the streets at 120 miles an hour. All these things, it's come to a place where the whole nation, the whole world, not only this nation, but everywhere, mentally gone. 
And then when we opened up those, the Lord willing, on those seven vials and show those hideous things, man will be so insane after a while till you imagine they're seeing ants the size of a mountain. And it'll be tormenting women. Be locusts has come up on the earth with long hair to torment women who cut theirs off. Hair like women hanging down in long teeth like a lion. Stingers in their tail like a scarpin and so forth. The torment man upon the earth. But then it'll be too late to do anything about it. You get right now. Tormenting. And last Sunday when we was going into those cycles uh, about how that the five senses on the outer rim, that's the inlet, five senses to the body. There's only one way you can get into the body. That's by those five senses. See, taste, feel, smell in here. There's no other way to contact the, the body. On the inside of that man is a man called spirit. And he has five senses. Think, thought, and uh, thought, and love, and conscience, and so forth. All right. Now, you can't think with your body. You think with your mind. And in there is where too many of Christians only stop. And they can, just like the corn in the field, and the weed in the field, they can be anointed with the same Holy Spirit that the real believers are anointed with. But down on the inside of that next rim, the third rim, is the soul. And that's predestinated by God. There's where the real seed germ lays, is in there. And remember, if I take a cucklebur and cut it open, draft into it the heart of a of a wheat and put it there, bury it, it would bring forth a wheat out of the cucklebur. No matter what the outside is, what the emotions, today so confused about the evidence of the Holy Ghost and so forth, Satan can impersonate any kind of a gift that God's got. But he cannot bring that word, word by word. That's where he failed in the Garden of Eden. That's where he's always failed. That's where them... The tape on false anointed ones or anointed ones, they can be anointed with the Spirit, speak in tongues, dance, shout, preach the gospel, and still a devil. It's the inside. Now remember, Jesus said, All the Father has given me will come to me. No man can come except my Father draws him first. Now we take it through the lesson to show that in you were in your great-great-great-grandfather all the way back, physically speaking. Then, that's what you are in physical being, natured. Sometimes a child will be born in a family red-headed. It astonishes the father because there's nobody he knows of his people red-headed or the mother's. But if you go way back to several generations, you'll find out somebody was red-headed. That seed keeps coming on down. And you come the nature of one. From way back, like as Hebrews uh, 7th chapter said that Melchizedek, Abraham paid tithes to him when he's returning from the slaughter of the kings, and Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes, for he was in the loins of Melchizedek, at, or the loins of Abraham, rather, when he met Melchizedek. Now, the same thing is this, if you are a son of God, and if I am a son of God, a daughter of God, we were in God at the beginning. And when Jesus became the fullness of the Word, then we were in Him, germ form, 
When he was crucified, we was crucified in his body. When he rose from the dead, we rose with him. And now, since we have recognized it, now we sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See? For he, we, if we are sons and daughters of God, we are God's children. Then we are attributes of God. Then we were got eternal life. And God is the only eternal life there is. Then we were in him from the beginning. And when Jesus became all that word, then we were part of him then. Amen. There you are. That's in there. There's no devil, no powers, no nothing can ever move it. That's a high post of the soul. You can be anointed out here in this spirit and desire and do all these other things. But when it comes to this high post of that word, you'll never move from that a whole right study and true to that word as it can be. Outside of that regard, so what you do, you're still lost. That lady is seeing church age, naked, blind, miserable, don't even know it. See, it's out your side anointed, anointed with the real spirit. See, that Holy Spirit can fall upon a man in his spirit, but his soul is his germ. That germ is the Word. See? And how, and I don't care how much you preach, how well you do this, and how much you love. That's one of the inlets to spirit. You can't love with your body. You love with your spirit. That's one of the inlets. And you can love and even love God. Still not be right. You can cast out devils and preach and do these things. Still not be right. Jesus said so. That many would come in that day. That word settles it. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Notice, I'm going to speak on this subject of the Bible of Christ revealed in His own Word. Where I draw this conclusion is in my room. Some dear person may be sitting here this morning. I got a picture hanging in my study up there. That's a picture of Hoffman's head of Christ wrote in the Beatitudes. And right where you would come, the place like you need a part of the hair, they press a little harder on the pen as you pass that part. Now, there he is sitting in His Word looking right out. Christ in the Beatitudes. Someone, ever who it was, I thank you for it. And somebody brought that picture in, put up my study there of Elijah going up in a chair to fire. We appreciate these things. Many times, big crowds, I just don't get a chance to speak and say these things, but I see it, brother, sister. I, I know it. God knows it. Now I'm going to speak on this subject of Christ revealed in His own Word. How in the Beatitudes, there stands a picture of Christ standing right out. Like, that's where I thought of this subject. Now, Christ and the Word is the same. See, to say, how was the Bible? People said, I was riding with a man not long ago. He said, think of it. We here on this earth the way we are, and we only know or can only say that we're saved by some Jewish fable called the Bible. I said, sir... I don't know how you say that, but I don't believe it's a Jewish fable. I said, he said, well, you pray. What do you pray to? I asked for so-and-so and certain things. I didn't get it. I said, you pray wrong. We should never pray to change God's mind. We should pray to change our mind. God's mind don't need any changing. It's right. I said, not what you prayed for. I know a young Catholic boy one time was... 
had a prayer book saying prayers for his mother to live, and she died, and he threw the prayer book in the fire. Well, see, I don't go for the prayer book. But uh, anyhow, see, you take the wrong attitude. You're trying to tell God what to do. Prayer should be, Lord, change me to fit your word. Not change, uh, uh, not uh, let me change your mind. You change my mind. You change my mind to your will. And your will is written here in the book. Lord, don't, don't let me go till you got my, my mind set just like your mind. And then when my mind is set like your mind, then I'll believe every word you wrote. And you sit in there, you make everything work together for good to them that loves you, and I love you, Lord. It's all working together for the good. I've been this week down in the country stand with some very dear friends. I asked some of them at the table yesterday when we was eating. We always sit around and have a little, like a little study on the Bible. It's talking about love. There's a certain person said to me, he said, I believe you're an antichrist. I said, if that would be pleasing to my Lord, that's what I want to be. I want to be whatever he wants me to be. I love him. And if he should cast me into hell, I still will love him. If I go with the same spirit I have now. He looked at me kind of strange. I've seen four or five of them there. Young man, young wives, fine women. I know how that boys love their wives. So I said, to them, I said, here's a way to test it. If your wife, before you were married, now you go back, say you, this married life, you've been dreaming you were married. You really wasn't married, but you dreamed you were. And you woke up and you went and talked over with your girlfriend and said, you know, I dreamed that we were married and we had children and we living happy and, and waiting for the coming of the Lord and everything. And then this girl would say to you, you know, I love another man better than I love you. I could be happier with the other man. Could you, from your heart, love her well enough to say, God's blessings rest upon you, my dear. Go with this other man. Now, now check that, each of you men, or you women. See? Well, if your love is correct, you would do that. For you are interested in her welfare. What you know you can have her, you can live with her, you, she's your wife, she will be, she'll marry you, but she won't be happy. She'll be happy, with, and then if you love her, then you want her to be happy. Therefore, whatever the will of God is, let God's will be done, whether I'm happy with it or not. Amen. I want to live so he will be pleased with what I do. Therefore, check your, your objective and your motive by that, you know, where you love God or not. What if he'd say, uh, you serve me, but I'm going to cast you away. I love you anyhow. Therefore, if the churches would see that and could believe it in that manner, it wouldn't be one trying to jerk the football away from the other fellow when he's running with it. He'd be protecting that one. When real, true motive and objective would be one trying to say, hey, I got this too, uh, this is me, and this is... See, uh, God can't use a man. So much impersonation follows it, and that's Satan, and the people can't realize that. You're trying to take the ball from somebody that's been given. Let God raise up a certain ministry and watch how many goes after it. See? See, now genuine love for God, no matter what part I am, Lord, if I can only say a word for it, help protect it, let me do that. See? That's the same thing it would be about your wife. If you really love her, 
See, it's not a, it's not a, a filial love. It's an agapo love. A genuine love. She could live with somebody else happier. You're not married now. Of course, you can't. And by the way, people listen to these tapes. Some, so many sins in said, why, well, in the marriage and divorce, you said this and you said that. I've said that so many times. These tapes goes only, I'm speaking to my congregation, brother. I'm not responsible for what God gave you to shepherd. I'm responsible for what kind of food I feed these people. This is for this tabernacle only. See? Now, if the people want to listen to the tapes, that's up to them. But I'm speaking to what God has given to me. It was their sins that was omitted. Someone wrote out and said, well, I've done this and I've done that. You said, our sins, I, I didn't say that. I said, see it to this. This is only to this people right here. The people here in the tabernacle, my own flock. Now, if people want to hybrid food and stuff out there, you, you get the revelation from God and do what God tells you to do. I'll do the same thing. But these messages are to this church. Notice, now we come back, we've got to have something or another that we have to hold on to. Something has to be a tie post. In other words, it's an ultimate. And everyone must have an ultimate. Or an absolute. I preached on it one time years ago. On an absolute. A place that's the last word. Like the umpire at a ball game. If he says it's a strike, that's just exactly what it is. No matter how you've seen it, the umpire said it's a strike. You said, I, 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 it wasn't a strike. It went, I see the, no matter what it is, when he said strike, that's it. That's settled. What, he, he's the ultimate. And the traffic light is an ultimate. If it says go, I, you say, well, I, I'm in a hurry. I got it. No, I, it says you stand still while the other fellow goes. It's the ultimate. Now, there's got to be an ultimate to everything you do. There had to be an ultimate when you chose your wife. There had to be a woman you had to select. Now, there has to be a time where you, when you're going to buy a car, what kind of an ultimate you're going to make. Will it be Ford, Chevy, Plymouth Park, car, whatever it is, you've got to have an ultimate. And so is it with Christian living. There's got to be an ultimate. Now, if a man said, went to another man and said, heard somebody say, well, you should be baptized. And this fellow never, maybe he is some church that didn't baptize, he just sprinkled. I think, say, for instance, the Methodists, they do baptize if it's requested, I understand. Or maybe the a Catholic, I think they sprinkle only. So then if, if a man heard something about being immersed in the water, well, he didn't understand that. He's raised Catholic. So he goes up to the priest and said, Father, uh, I understand that we're supposed to be baptized by immersing. What does our church say about that? Why, it says that uh, we're to be sprinkled. That that church is his ultimate, that settles it. All strife is over. The church said so and that's all. What if the, if a Baptist brother heard us say that we believe in being baptized by mercy? He said, I believe that. And in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, this, this member of the church goes back to the pastor and says, Pastor, I heard a fellow say to me that we should be baptized by mercy, all right, but in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, he said, now let us see. Why, well, here the book says that we're to be baptized using Father, Son, Holy Ghost. If that church is the ultimate, that settles it. 
He don't care about what anything else says. That's his ultimate. Well, every denomination is an ultimate to their believers. But to me, and to the ones that I hope that I'm leading to Christ and by Christ, the Bible is our ultimate. No matter, of course, God said, let every man's word be a lie and mine truth. And I believe that the Bible is God's ultimate. No matter what anyone else says, it's the ultimate. The Bible is not a book of systems. No, sir, it is not a book of systems. Nor a code of morals. The Bible is not a book of systems, so many systems and so forth. No, sir. It is not a book of morals. No, sir, it is not. Nor is it a book of history altogether. Or neither is it a book of theology. For it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, if you'd like to read that, you who have your papers marking it down, that's Revelations 1, 1 to 3. As the Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let us just read it while we got time, I believe. I haven't got too many notes here to speak from. If the Lord tarries, well, we'll try to get from him. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified by his angel to his servant, John, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And of all things that he saw, blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the word of this prophecy, and keep the things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So the Bible is the complete revelation of Jesus Christ. And it was wrote by prophets. Hebrews 1.1, in God who in sundry times spake to the fathers by the prophets, in this last day speaks to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, which was the prophets, all of them, put together. Jesus was Malachi. Jesus was Jeremiah, Isaiah, Elijah. All that they were, were in Him. And all that you are and all I am is in Him. Words, witnesses of the Word. So it is not a book of systems, a code of moral ethics, neither is it a history book or a book of theology. It is not. But it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. God Himself revealed from Word to flesh. That's what it is. The Bible is the Word and God is the flesh. God in God is the Word, rather, and Jesus being the flesh. It's a revelation how God, the Word, was manifested in human flesh and revealed to us. And that's why He becomes a Son of God. He is a part of God. You understand? Now, He is not, the body is part of God so much that it's a son. A son 
as the Catholic puts it, eternal son and all the rest of the churches, the word don't even make sense. There cannot be eternal and then be a son. Because the son is something it's begotten from. And the word eternal, he cannot be an eternal, he can be a son, but he cannot be an eternal son. No, sir. He cannot be an eternal son. Now, but he is the son so much that all the word that was in Jeremiah, in Moses, and all those words, like he said, they speak of me. All that true divine revelation word was wound up into one human body and God put flesh around it. Amen. That's the reason he was called son. Reason he refers father. Why, it's just as simple if you just let God pour it down into your mind. See? God revealed in a body of flesh. Notice, revealed from flesh or from word unto flesh. That's St. John uh, uh, 1, 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now, notice this Bible. Some of them said, oh, well, it's done this, it's done that. Well, let me tell you something. Let's, just, let's go into the history of the Bible just to see where it come from. It was written by 40 different writers. 40 men wrote the Bible. Over a space of 1,600 years apart. And at different times, predicting the most important events that ever happened in world's history. And many times, hundreds of years before it happened. And there is not one error in the entire 66 books. Oh, my. No author but God himself could be so accurate. Not one word contradicts the other. Remember, 1,600 years apart. The Bible wrote from Moses to, to uh, the death of, of John at the Isle of Patmos. 1,600 years. And was wrote by 40 different authors. One didn't even know the other. And they never had it as a word. Some of them never even seen the word. But when they wrote it and was understood to be prophets, then when they put their prophecies together, each one of them dovetailed one to the other. Look at Peter, who announced on the day of Pentecost, Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Paul had never heard nothing about it. He went out to Arabia for three years to study the Old Testament to see who this pillar of fire was that spoke to him on the road saying, Saul, why persecutest thou me? How could he be wrong? He never even consulted the church at all. And 14 years later, when he met Peter, they was preaching the same thing, Amen. word by word. That's our Bible. Let other man's words fail. This, no man can add to it. You don't add no more to the Bible. No, sir. This is a complete revelation. It's all like the seven seals. The seven seals, someone kept saying to me, That'll you, the Lord will speak to you, Brother Bram, and these seals are revealed. And uh, tell us how I get closer to God. And how to do it. I said, no, sir. It can't be. Because the Bible, the seven seals on it, had the seven mysteries hid. It was already wrote, but they didn't understand what it was. 
Watch how they plowed along with that being baptized in Jesus' name. See, that wasn't it. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, all those things that was because many Jesuses. I got several friends here on earth named Jesus, minister friends. It isn't that. It's our Lord Jesus Christ. No author but God could be so correct. Now let's just see how this Bible was written. Now, say for instance, from what if we went now and took 66 medical books that deal with the body, wrote by 40 different medical schools, 160 or 1600 years apart. Wonder what kind of continuity we come up with. <laughs> when George Washington, our president, about 200 years ago, for pneumonia, they pulled his toenail out and bled him a pint. <laughs> what if we took, let's go a little further on some things that we so attracted to today, that's science. What if we took uh, 40 different science from uh, 1,600 years apart and see what we come up with? A French scientist 300 years ago proved by science, by rolling a ball, that if any terrific speed was obtained over 30 miles an hour, the object would leave the earth and fall off. <laughs> you think science never referred back to that? Is there any continuity of that now? When they drive down the street on the road, you're 150 miles an hour. But he scientifically proved that by the pressure of the ball rolling across the ground. That at 30 miles an hour, that any object could lift up off the earth and go away and fall off in space. No, there's no continuity to that. But not one word in the Bible contradicts the other. Not one prophet ever contradicted the other one. There was everyone perfect. And when one come in and did prophesy, that real prophet raised up and called him down. Then it was made manifest. So the Bible is the Word of God to all true believers. Now, you couldn't get no accuracy in what doctors would uh, agree upon. You can't even get accuracy of them now. You can't get accuracy in science now. I know some time ago they told us that the that when the Bible said that he saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, that that couldn't be. The earth was round. But the Bible said four corners. Well, now you've seen two weeks ago, or three weeks ago it's been now, the papers packing this article, they found out that the world is square. How many have seen that? See, I got it all copied off. You just wait for somebody to say something. And they're going to find out someday that they're not seeing 150 million years of light space either. They're going right around the circle. Exactly. You're going to find out one of these days that when you go to heaven, you don't fly off somewhere else. You're still right here too. Amen. Just in another dimension, faster than this. Right through this room's coming color. Every color shirt, dress, whatever you got on is eternal. Laying right on records, going around and around the world. Every time you bat your eyes, it's right on record. Watch television will prove that. When you're born, God sets a record on it. Don't make, put a record on it. Don't make much noise for a little while. You know, that's a little baby. So it comes to accountability. Then the noise starts. He starts saying things and doing things he has to answer for. And then when that life ends, that record or tape is tucked off and laid in a in the great big uh, uh, 
library of God. How are you going to get around it? The judgment bar is played right back in front of you. Every move you made, every thought that went through your mind. Can you see that? Now, can you see where God, standing here the other night, there'd been a man on the platform, called, bald-headed man, real handsome-looking fellow, strong. And he went out. The Lord had told him a whole lot of things about his family and what he should do, and he went out and sat down. A few minutes here, come before me another man like that. But he had his head down. I couldn't make out. And I looked at the man again out there, and it wasn't him because it was something else. And this man, I couldn't find it. Looked around, nobody behind me. I said, the man is sitting inside those curtains there. It was our, a brother that comes to church here. Tall, bald-headed, handsome sort of a fellow sitting up there like that. And he had his head hung over, praying because he was just about to die with stomach trouble. He's going to get a pair of shoes. His wife wanted to get a new pair of shoes. He said, oh, I don't have to get it because they ain't going to live to wear them. He's dying. And sitting there, and see, in that dimension... Hallelujah. God just moved over in there and said, there he sits. Just the position he was in. See what I mean? Now notice, and there is not any error in the Scriptures. Jesus, the Word of God, perceives the thought that's in the heart. The Word of God is stronger, sharper. Hebrews 4, 12 the Word of God is sharper, more powerful than a two-edged sword, even a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the mind. Goes way down into the mind and pulls out and discerns. What is discern? Make known. Reveal out. And that's what the Word of God does. Today we say the Catholic Church is the Word of God. The Baptist, the Methodist, the Pentecostal, the Tabernacle. That's wrong. The Word is a revelation God revealed by the Word. No, we could not get any continuity amongst medics, amongst uh, scientists, different ones. If Einstein had only had the spiritual application as he had the, the physical application as he studied the laws of light and so forth, he could have told us something. When I heard his message on that great sinner somewhere into the skies that ever contacted with that sinner, you could create earth. Do anything that the power would be unlimited. See, he had seen that. You see these little pockets going through the air. They're called saucers. So forth. People so that, well, we better leave that alone. Hear how these people come up missing, you say? Don't hear from them. They're standing there and they're not there. That's where the rapture is going to be. One of them will drop right down in this terrestrial body. will take on a celestial body and there will be hide hair of bones left. It will be transformed in a moment of time, dropping right out of space and taking home that. We see all this going on now in the, in the Pentagon, wondering about these lights and mystic lights and everything they're seeing in the, in the sky. You've seen they had one here in the paper, Jeffersonville, this week and so forth. A mystic light, so all they don't know what that is. Well, listen, little children. It's going to pick you up one of these days. Don't worry. You remember, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Sodom. What happened just before Sodom? God came down with some angels. 
And he had an investigation judgment said, I've heard the cry that is so sinful, so great, so I've come down to find out where it's altogether the truth or not. Is that right? What's that mean one who stayed with Abraham could discern the thoughts that's in Sarah's heart behind him? Now, you look around just a little bit and notice, see, watch what is doing the same thing today. It's an investigation judgment. One after a while, the church, when it can stand that place and every seed has been brought to its spot, they'll be gone. They don't know what happened to them. One will be going one way. See, one will be going over to the pastor's house and one will be going here or down there. And the first thing you know, they're not there. For Enoch, which was the type, God took him and he was found not. Come down to investigate the continuity how the Enoch translation, a type of Israel being carried over in the ark. So perfect. The Word of God is so perfect. Even to the Old and New Testament is two halves and one whole. Right? Old Testament's half of it. New Testament's half of it. Put together, you got the whole revelation of Jesus Christ. There's a prophet speaking and here he is in person. See? Two halves and one whole. Now, we don't want to take too much. Now, remember, the Old Testament is not complete without the New. And the New could not be complete without the Old. That's the reason I said two halves, one whole. For the prophets said, He'll be here, He'll be here, He'll be here. They'll do this to Him, they'll do this to Him. And here He is. He was here, He was here. They did this to Him, and they did this to Him. I just preached on that a few nights ago. Now, in order to... Study the Scripture. Paul told Timothy, study it rightly, dividing the Word of God, which is truth. There is three musts in the Scripture. In using God's Word, there is three things that you must not do. Now, let's study those for the next ten minutes. Three things that you must not do. And all out in the land, wherever you are, across the nation... Be sure to put these down. In your mind, if you haven't got a pencil, you must not do these things. We tell you all the time how you must do. Now I'm going to tell you what you must not do. Now you must not misinterpret the Word. You say, well, I believe it means this. It means just what it says. It needs no interpreter. And you must not misplace the word. And you must not dislocate the word. And if we would do either of these, it throws the whole Bible in a confusion and in a chaos. Notice, to misinterpret Jesus in the form of God in a man, you would make him, you would make him one God out of three to misinterpret Jesus Christ being the Word. You'd make Him one God out of three. Or you'd make Him a second person in a Godhead. And to do that, you'd mess the whole Scripture up. You'd never get nowhere. So it must not be misinterpreted. And if you say that a certain thing, you put an interpretation on it and you apply it to another time 
or being applied to another time, you also make an incorrect uh, interpreting. If anybody misinterpret Jesus Christ in the Bible of not being God Himself, make Him the second person or one God out of three, this would upset every word in the entire Bible. It would break the first commandment. Thou shalt not have any other God before me. All right. It would make the whole Christian race a bunch of pagan worshipers worshiping three different gods. See what kind of a Bible you'd have? Then it'd make us what the Jews say we are. <laughs> say, which one of them gods is your God? See? So you see, you can't, you mustn't misinterpret the Bible. For Jesus Himself is the interpretation of the Bible. When He's made manifest in the age that the part of His body is being made manifest. If it's a hand age, it must be a hand. It can't be a head age. If it's a voice age, well then it can't be a foot age. See? And now, we're at the eye age. And now the next is Him Himself to come. Seeing Prophetic. See, down to the age. We started off from the foundation, from the first church age. When the seed went in the ground, the complete seed. Then it come out through the feet, Luther. Come back out, then through Wesley. Then into Pentecostals. The tongues. And the lips. See? Now it's in the eyes. Prophetic. Of Malachi 4 and so forth. And now there's nothing else left for to come but Him Himself to step into that, because that's the last thing there is. The next is the intelligence. And we have no intelligence of our own. It's His. We have no sight of our own. How can a man foresee those things? He can't do it. It's God Himself. It's, it's becoming to a place. And He's governed the body all the way through. Then the complete body of Christ is revealed in the form of a bride that was taken out of His side. Like Adam did at the beginning. Like Adam's was, rather, at the beginning. Yes, God, this would set the whole Bible in a confusion. Break the first commandment and make a God, a pagan God of three. It would, just, it would just ruin the whole picture of the Bible, so you must not misinterpret the Bible. Now, that's just one thing. When every scripture in the Bible has the same application, you've got to set it in its place. And to misplace it, you might uh, make him God in one age, and uh, and uh, the next age you make him a history to misplace it. So you mustn't misplace the scripture. He's God all the time. If you made him today a God of history, what was back yonder, and he isn't the same today, why you go do with Hebrews thirteen eight? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now. So see what this would do and what it has done. It's already done it. Make him deny his own word. To misplace the Scriptures. To dislocate the Scriptures, you might put his body together wrong. The foot where the head should be or something. Just same as, uh, in other words, you might have Jesus teaching Moses' message. You might have, uh, or even Wesley teaching Luther's age. You might have a, 
uh, now our age teaching Pentecost. The Pentecostal message. You see what a mess it would be in? Pentecost has already showed its colors. <laughs> Luther's already showed his. Went off into denomination. It died right there. The age struck. There it went. Notice, just as soon as it was organized, it died. Now, you see if that isn't right. Look back through the pages of history. Every time it organized, it died right there. And there was no more to it. It become a, a worshiper of the God of this world. It went off into organisms and organizations and denominations and illusions. A bunch of rickies got into there and put their own objections into it or injected their own thoughts rather into it. And what did it happen? It become a mess. Go to head up in the God of this world where they'll throne Satan himself. Thinking that they're having a great world leader to bring them peace. I told you the other day, I say it again, that even civilization itself today is absolutely contrary to God. Civilization is contrary to God. Education is a million miles from Him. Science is a million miles. Science and education is trying to disprove God. Through theological seminaries and schools and rooms of science and so forth, they've had their shake. How about the vision of the night of the man when he screamed to those scientists down there pouring that stuff in like that? They just turned and looked up and went on. There'll be one more ride. Notice, oh, these three must, must be. Now, you cannot. Jesus didn't come preaching uh, uh, Noah's message. He didn't come preaching uh, Moses' message. Or Moses didn't come preaching. See, don't mislocate the Scripture. It's got to be in the time. Now, you cannot apply when that great man John Wesley come out or the great man Luther when Luther came out with his message of justification, now when that was a Luther was a great man, he called the church out of darkness, and he set justification by faith. And when he did it, they built an organization on top of it, and it died. The life traveled like it is a stalk of wheat right out into the Wesley age of the Tulsa. Out of Luther come other leaves that died with it, which was Swangley and Calvin and all the rest that come out in that great. Reformation. Then along came Wesley, another age that bloomed out into a tossle. Wesley and Atterbury and all those, and John and, and his brother and all of them, great man of God with the messages, swept the country. They organized it. It died. Then it come out looking just exactly like she's going to put forth the grain now. And come to find out it was a shuck. Pentecost. But back in behind all of it come a little bud. And you notice, usually, I think in about three or four years after Luther was on the field, that the Lutheran church was organized. Just a short time after Wesley was on the field, it was organized. Tucson, we've had a, a program of how the Wesley church, a Methodist church, come into existence. And when they come to America here, many of them had come back and said they'd set up a a charter and so forth from England to bring it over here and how it was all dramatized out. I seen right then what happened. There she died. Allow come the Pentecostal, them old shouters back in the long days ago, got the gift of speaking in tongues and started off with speaking in tongues. Then they named it the evidence of the Holy Ghost. 
Then they organize. One said he's going to do this, another that, and they had issues and issues. What to do? Each one of them leaves just unfolded, just like it did in the stalk and like it did on the tassel. They had the oneness, twoness, threeness in the church of God, and all these others just unfolded, unfolded, unfolded. But now, according to nature, which is a perfect example, you'll never be anything to educate it out of it. A family. Uh, friends of mine down in Kentucky just had a l- little baby born the other day. And the mother was up when she's cooking our dinner. She's helping the other sister cook dinner for a bunch of us men that had been out hunting. And so uh, the baby got to crying. And I was talking. I think the mother felt a little embarrassed. So she runs and gets the baby and, and starts to, to feed the little fellow. I said, you know, that's his nature. See? Now, you can't, they have never found any better way for a baby to get what it wants than to cry for it. Now, you might give it a, a book of ethics and sit down here and say, I want to teach you theology, son. Now, don't you go to squalling around here like other kids. You're different. Now, when you want to be fed, you ring this little bell over here. <laughs> just don't work. No, it just don't work. So, when you watch nature... Now we see wherever age and directly designed it out that we're in the last age. The shuck has pulled away and we've had 15 years, nearly 20 now, years of the message sweeping across from nation to nation. And this morning hooked up across this nation. See? And no organization. It can't organize. There's nothing ever been like it or will be hereafter. See? The, the thing that's the matter with the message today is those who obtain it in their hearts must lay in the presence of the sun to get ripened. Amen. You can pick up the message and then let the sun bake all the greenness out of you. Make you matured Christians. See what I mean? God's coming soon to receive His church. And we must have that type of Christians for Him to receive. The, the wheat's got to get ripe. All right, these three must, must be. Must not misinterpret or mishandle it, misinterpret or mis- uh, dislocate it. It must be kept just exactly the way God said it was. To the world, it's a book of mystery. The people believe it's just a mysterious book. One time, I was talking to a very famous man here in the city that holds a great standing of Christianity. And he said, I tried to read the book of Revelations one night. said, John must have had a big bait of hot pepper and had a nightmare. See? A book of mystery. But, while to the true believer, it's a revelation of God being revealed in the age we're living in. He said, my words are spirit and life. Jesus said that. Again, the word is the seed that a sower sowed. We know that that's true. It's God in word form and can only be interpreted by himself. A human mind is not capable to interpret the mind of God. How can the little, uh, a little finite mind interpret the infinite mind? When we can't even interpret one another's mind. And you notice, 
He is the only one can interpret it, and he interprets it to whom he will. It didn't say mortals of old as they strode across the earth in sundry times and divers manner. God in sundry times and divers manner revealed himself to his prophets. And notice, to whom he will reveal it. And he's so designed that he can hide himself in the Scripture to the smartest theologian there is. Oh, my. He can just hide himself. Sit right there in the Scripture and you look all day long and never see it. Look a lifetime and never see it. He can just hide himself sitting there. Now, please, everywhere let that soak in. That God... In the Word, can hide himself so in the Word that there isn't a theologian or a school in the world can ever find him. And yet he's sitting right there. He says, is that right, Brother Bram? How about the Pharisees and Sadducees? How about in every age he's done it? Sure. He's done so in every age. Now, we could check that. Let's think about the days of Noah. Smart intellectual age. How he hid himself in his promised Word. In the days of Moses... How he hid himself. In the days of Elijah, how he hid himself. In the days of Jesus, how he hid himself. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, his own received him not. See? He hides himself from the smartest intellectual man there is on the earth. You say, well, this is Dr. Holy Father, so-and-so, I don't care who he is. God hides himself from him. And will reveal it to babies such as we'll learn. See? Babies of God, predestinated seed. Think the mighty God, sitting in His own words, blinding the smart, educated people of this present age. And they don't see it. They think it's a bunch of fanaticism. Look at Him sitting there hiding to Pentecostals. Hmm? Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterian, reveal Himself right out publicly and showing all kinds of things, even putting it in the papers and things like that. Yet they don't see it. Oh, our God. How great. Revealing himself to whomever he will. Oh, you say, Brother Jones or Brother so-and-so, he's, he's a great man, he'll sit. Oh, no. <laughs> he reveals it to whom he will. Say, my wife don't sit, she's a Christian woman. He reveals himself to whom he will. Hmm? Well, my pastor's a great man. That's right, but he reveals himself to whom he will. Now, check with what's been revealed or what's happening. Then you, you can quite understand now we notice then it makes it a book of God and not a book of man. If it was a man, now let us look how uh, it would express itself. Look how it exposes sin of the man who wrote it. Notice the man who, who lived in a state. Abraham, for instance, he's called the father of the faithful. Notice how that, do you think Abraham would have wrote this book on himself? Of his own cowardliness? <laughs> How do you think he would have wrote that he lied to the king that morning and said that was his sister when it was his wife? Would it write of his cowardly deeds that he done? Sure would have never done that. How about Jacob in his deceit? <laughs> a little deceiver that Jacob was. What a, a, a man, a Hebrew writing of his Hebrew brother, that in him that all of Israel was called 
Would he dare to write the deceit of the very father of the whole nation? In Jacob come forth the patriarchs. From the patriarchs come forth the tribes. And the foundation stone of all of it. The Bible exposes him as a deceiver. Is that right? You think man wrote that? No, sir. How about a man writing to the greatest king they ever had here on earth, his crowned king, David, and is committing adultery? Would those Jews ever wrote of their most noble king being an adulteress? <laughs> oh, we have history like George Washington ever told a lie, things like that. We say call that history, but this is a man, a Bible, that calls David an adulteress. And he was the king of Israel, an adulteress who was to be the son of Jesus, to be the son of David, the very headstone. And his father, according to flesh, was an adulteress. Jews never wrote a book like that. Would man write this of his own self? Certainly not. How would that proud nation of Israel, you know how proud they were, proud nation of Israel, went and wrote about their own idolatry, <laughs> wrote about their rebellion against their God, wrote against the dirty, filthy things that they did, wrote out in a book that sure hid that. <laughs> they just showed the good things. But this Bible tells what's right and what's wrong. Anyone knows that the Jews would have never wrote a book like that about their own uncleanness and idolatry and failure and everything they had. They never wrote that. Oh, no. Then who wrote it? The Bible said in Hebrews 1.1, God in sundry times and divers manners spake to the fathers through the prophets. Then it wasn't the prophets. It wasn't mortal. God. Not prophets in sundry times, but God. In sundry times. Divers manners spoke to the fathers, to the prophets. I got a scripture wrote down here. I don't know what it is. I can't refer to it. Usually with these things I'm referring to, I'm looking at a scripture. I'm going to look it up just for a minute, if you excuse me. It's 2 Timothy 3.16. I, I, I thought I would remember that, but I, I'm sorry. I just stopped a minute to find out what it is. God in sundry times and divers manners spake to the fathers, to the prophets. Now, 2 Timothy 3... Uh, 3... Uh, uh, 16. Let's see what it says. In 3.16, all Scripture, yeah, is given by inspiration of prophets? No. Inspiration of what? God! And is profitable for doctrine and reproof and correction and instruction and righteousness. That the man of God may stand perfect, thoroughly furnished for all good works. All right, then, all Scripture is wrote by inspiration. Jesus here on the earth said that heavens and earth would pass away, but His Word wouldn't. He said all Scripture must be fulfilled. So then the book is not a book of man's writings. It's a book of God's writings. Now, we know God chose by predestination His church, His place, His prophets, and all about it. By foreknowledge, he predestinated his prophet. And when the age arrived, he had his prophet arrive at the same time and inspired him as he wrote the Bible by him. Now, God wrote the Bible only using the prophet because that's his way of doing it. So, see, it is not the word. 
So see, it is the Word of God and not the Word of man. God is a person. God can speak. God can talk. God can write. He didn't have to do it that way. That's the way he, he chose to do it. He didn't have to do it that way, but he chose to do it that way. Now you say, God wrote with his finger, his own majestic finger, the Ten Commandments. So God could write himself if he wanted to. Okay? But he, he chose to write it through prophets. See, because it was his attributes, his word, he expressed through them, making it all a part or part of him. See? He could write with his finger. He also took his finger and wrote on the walls of Babylon. Thou art weighed in the balance and found wanting. He wrote with his own finger. God can talk. Do you believe God can talk? Amen. He talked to Moses on the mount in the burning bush. You believe that? Yes, sir. He talked to John in the form of a dove. You believe that? That this is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased to dwell in. He talked to him. He spoke to Jesus on Mount Transfiguration before Peter, James, and John. He can talk. He's not a mute. God can talk. So he spoke to, to Jesus on Mount Transfiguration. And he spoke to Jesus before a whole multitude of people. Amen. When the people said it thundered. But it was God speaking to Jesus. And almost all of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is Jesus speaking. He's God. So God can talk. Tuck his own fingers and wrote on the sand one day. He spoke. He preached. He prophesied with his own lips. God did when he was made flesh and dwelt among us. God manifested in flesh. If he can write, speak, can he also tell others what to do? Certainly can. He can talk to them in a human voice. He can write and show them what to do. He has done it. So God in sundry times and divers manners spake to the fathers through the prophets. And he said on this writing, and not one jot or tittle shall ever pass away until it's fulfilled. And then it's manifested. Then it will pass because it's manifested. It can't pass then. But just the word itself is made flesh. Jot means small word. Tittle means small mark. Not even one punctuation. One expression. Anything shall ever fail in the word of God. It can't fail because it's God. God manifested in the form of a human flesh. For it's God himself in letter form, prophet form, manifested in flesh. Amen. Now that's the reason Jesus could say the ones who spoke to you, you call them gods who spoke to you by the word of God, said, and they were gods. Those prophets, when they were anointed with the Spirit of God and brought exactly the word of God, then they were gods. It was God's word speaking through them. It can, it can only interpret as the author would permit them to interpret. Now, if you want to find that, that's 2 Peter 1 and 20 and 21. All right, of course, this, uh, where God is no private interpreter. He does his own interpretation. God speaks and interprets it himself. Then reveals it to whomever he will. Hides from all others. You don't have to reveal it to anybody unless he wants to. And he, he, he's expressed his whole thing in the Scripture. Therefore, the whole thing is already made known. It's just He's just sitting there watching it happen. Just seeing the body be made and come back to, its, to the farm, uh, his bride again. All right. Believers believe it. Like Abraham and call things contrary to it as though it was not. 
It also, this word, discerns the secrets of the heart. Hebrews 4.12. It discerns the secrets of the heart. Prophets did not always understand what they were writing or what they were saying. Or they would in no wise have said it <laughs> if they could have understood it. See? But the Bible said they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Moved. When the Holy Ghost moves you, you move. Man, God in sundry times, divers manners, spake to the prophets, they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's why all ages, the people who were spiritual consulted the prophets about the times and what was to happen. The prophet writer must be in constant fellowship with the author. Think. He must live constantly in presence of the author to know what the book's going to be. See, the prophet, writer, he had the pen ready any time. Constant fellowship with the author, which was God, to strike down whatever he said put down. See, showed what kind of a life he must, a separated life from all of his brethren. Now, that's why the prophet had his mind set constantly on what God said, not what man thought. What the age thought, what the church thought, what the kingdom thought, what God thought. He only expressed God's thoughts to word. Because a word is a thought when it's expressed. You got it now? The word is a thought expressed. So the prophet was waiting for God's thoughts. And when God revealed his thoughts to him, he expressed it in word. Thus saith the Lord. See, not thus saith I, the prophet. Thus saith the Lord. Amen. All right. That's why they defied kingdoms and church ages, which to do so in their days was a death penalty. You walk up in a king's face and tell him, Thus saith the Lord, such and such is going to happen. You'd have your head chopped off. The church would put you to death right now for doing it. But these prophets were bold. Why? They were moved by the Holy Ghost. And they, that's why they become bold. And they wrote, the, un, the infallible Word of God. There's many tried to impersonate them prophets, like priests or so forth. And what did they do? Just messed up. That's all. They couldn't do it. Because God had selected the man for the age and selected the message and even the nature of the man and what would go over in that age, what he could put over, how he could, with the nature of that certain man, he could blind the eyes of others. The words that that man would say, the way he acted, would blind others and open others' eyes. See? He dressed the man in the type of dress that he was, the nature, the ambition, and everything just the way he had to be, just perfectly selected for that certain people that he had called for that certain age. While others are standing looking at him and say, well, I can't, uh, there's, I, I can't, see? They were blinded. But Jesus came the same way, dressed immortal God dressed in human flesh and because he was born in a manger in a stable full of manure not a place to lay his head born thinkingly with an illegitimate name tacked to him see all these things that he was and how he come up a carpenter's son how he had no schooling more or less in the world the wisdom of this world he didn't have nothing to do with it None of this world's civilization, education, or anything, he had not one thing to do with it. Oh, he's God. It would clash. If he tried to go to a seminary somewhere and learn something of these world's 
churches was doing, what in the, why wouldn't, he, why wouldn't, he, wouldn't he correspond at all with his understanding? For he was God. So education, schooling, seminaries and things is absolutely contrary to the will of God. The whole educational system is contrary to God. Everything teaches away from God all the time. When I hear a man say that he's Dr. Ph.D. L.L.Q., that just makes him that much farther from God than me. He just educated himself that much farther from what he really was called to do. That's right. Notice how that now they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, that don't mean that educated man don't come in. Look at Paul. I guess there wasn't a smarter fellow in his day than Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus. He was educated under Gamaliel, one of the greatest teachers of the day. Great strict Hebrew, a Pharisee of denomination. And Paul was brought up under him. He knew all the Jewish religion. But when he came to the church, he said, I never come to you in the education of man and so forth. Because if you would, then you trust in that. But I come to you in the power and manifestation of the Holy Ghost that your faith would be in God. There you are. That's right. Many tried to impersonate these people, but they got the thing all messed up just like they do today. There was one raised up before the time of Jesus, led 400 people off, and you know how the Scriptures read about these things? Trying to do it before the time come, and some of them tried to impersonate him, and there was all this, that, other, and he said in the last days how they would raise up false uh, Christ in the last days and false prophets and show signs and wonders. We have all that. Amen. But that doesn't do away from the real. Amen. It only makes it shine out better because we have a real Christ, not a false one. Now, now we realize then that God sent His prophets. That was the way He had of bringing His Word to the people through the lips of His prophets. And notice, you know, Moses said, if you want to read it, in Exodus, the fourth chapter and the tenth and twelfth verse, Moses said, God spoke to him. God talked to a man lip to ear. And he said, I'm slow of speech, Moses. Uh, I'm not sufficient. I, I can't go. He said, who made man to talk? Or who made him dumb? Who made him to see? Or who made him to hear? Didn't I, the Lord? said, I'll be with your mouth. See? So, and Jeremiah said, if you want to read that, in Jeremiah 1, 6, Jeremiah said that God put words in my mouth. See? He, he talked lip to ear with one prophet and spoke to the other prophet when he had no control at all and spoke to his lips. Amen. <laughs> He's got ways to get his word out, you know. <laughs> yes, sir. So you see, the Bible is God's word, not man's word. Moses said, God spoke to me with a voice, and I heard him. I wrote down what he said. Amen. Jeremiah said, I couldn't speak at all. And the first thing you know, my lips was talking, and, and, and I was right. <laughs> Amen. God spoke through his lips, and it come to pass. Daniel, Isaiah, and so forth, all those prophets were just about the same. You know, in the Old Testament alone, it's more than 2,000 times those prophets said, Thus saith the Lord. Now, if a man says, Thus saith the Lord, it's not the man talking. If he would, he wouldn't be a prophet. He'd be a hypocrite. See? Because it would never come to pass. One chance out of 10,000 times. See? They might guess it. But if it's, Thus saith the Lord, the Lord God has said it. If I'd say, Thus saith Armin Neville. If I'd rather say, Thus saith 
uh, Mr. Man. I'd say, thus saith Brother Vale out here, some of these other brethren, any of you. I'm speaking what you said. If I'm truthful, I'm saying just what you said. And these men being prophets said, it's not me. I have nothing to do with it, but it's thus saith the Lord. So the Bible is thus saith the Lord. By the prophets. Notice, they took Christ's Spirit upon themselves and forecast the events that would come to pass. Talk about forecast. They said what would take place down through the ages as they set, stood, laid, walked with the Spirit of Christ upon them insomuch that they acted like Christ. And the readers would read it and think that the prophets were speaking of themselves. You remember the eunuch? When he was reading Isaiah 53, 1? About how that he had wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, the chastise of our peace is upon him with his stripes we were healed. The eunuch said to Philip, Who is the prophet speaking of, himself or some other man? See? The prophet spoke as if it was himself. Look at David crying in the spirit. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? My bones, they stare at me. At me, David. They pierced my feet and my hands. David. They pierced my feet and my hands. But thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither will I suffer the Holy One to see corruption. As though David was speaking of himself being holy. It was the son of David. That germatized spiritual seed coming down through there. Though David himself was a cucklebur. But on the inside of there was a wheat grain. You get it? So the whole Bible is not the word of man. Neither was it wrote by man, brought by man, or neither can it be revealed by man. It's God's word revealed by God himself. His own interpreter. Christ revealing himself in his own word. Look at Christ standing back here in David. David couldn't even think now. His mind had gone from him, as it were. And he was hanging on the cross. Like you see the statue here. Hanging on the cross, crying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? All my bones, they stare at me. They pierce my hands and my feet. They thrust my side. See? Why art thou so far from me? All the bulls of Basham come past about. They wagged their heads saying, He trusted in God that He would deliver him. Now let's see if He'll deliver him. Speaking the same words. So you see, when God was made manifest on earth here, He said the same words David did. You get it? So you see, it's not the word of man. It's the word of God. There was God in David. That wasn't David. He didn't know what he was saying. He was just so in the Spirit. That's the way Moses was. He was so in the Spirit, passed out of the dimension that he was living in, and stood there face to face in that burning bush talking to, to, to God himself. To take off your shoes. The ground you're standing on is holy ground. I imagine when Moses left there, he thought, what happened? What taken place? What was it? said, go down in Egypt. I'll go with you. He said, it's so real to me, I must go. He got his wife and his children and 
his child rather than sticking his hand and took off down to Egypt to deliver the people. See, God speaking himself through the prophets. See, they, they're absolutely, it isn't the prophets, it was God. Because the prophets themselves, they couldn't say those things. Who has believed our report? Isaiah saying to thee, Who has believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He should grow up before us as a calf uh, and a stall. And how that yet he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, chastised by our peace upon him with his stripes. We were healed. We were healed. Way over here in this age here in Isaiah, back there, 800 years before Christ. See? By his stripes we were, past tense, already healed. <laughs> oh, my. How the Word of God so perfect. Trust in it, folks. It's the only thing that can save you. All other words, I don't care how well they're placed, how, who they come from, what denomination they come from, or how smart the man is, is to be absolutely ignored. Amen. Anything contrary to the Word. You want to put that Scripture down, that's Galatians 1.8. Paul said, Though we are an angel from heaven, would preach any other thing than this that you've already heard, let him be cursed. In other words, if an angel would come to you from heaven, a bright shining angel, and would stand, boy, that would be bait for this day, wouldn't it? A bright shining angel would come up there and stand and say things that's contrary to the word, you say, Satan, get away from me. Right? If he's a bishop, if he's a whatever he is, don't you never believe him if he doesn't speak exactly with that Bible word by word. Watch him, he'll carry you with the Bible now. He'll carry you to a certain place and then hook it right there. When you see the Bible saying one thing and he bypasses that, watch him right there. Yeah. See, that's what he done. Eve, he come right down and said everything just exactly what well, God said this. That's right, Eve. Amen. We believe that together. Well, God said this. Amen. We believe that together. God said this. We believe that. Sure. Well, but God said we'll die. Well, now, you know, he's a good God. He didn't say he wouldn't, you know. But surely... <laughs> Oh, me. There he is. And if he was deceitful like that, and the Bible said in the last days he would deceive the elected if it was possible, where ought we to be today, friends? Now, these little Sunday school lessons are, should be carried pretty close you know, to our hearts to see we are to listen real close and see how deceiving that thing is. Notice, we cannot... We must not listen to any other man's word. We don't care how smart, how educated. The Bible in Proverbs says we must cast down reasonings. Amen. See? Now here in the second realm, first realm is your senses of see, taste, feel, smell here. That's in your outer body. On the inner body, which is the spirit, is reasonings and thought and so forth. We must cast all that down. Can't reason say, now wait, if God is a good God... And we're told so much today that He is. If He is a good God, then if I be sincere, though I can't see that in that Bible being right, though I be sincere, I'll be saved, you'll be lost. If I go to church and just do the things that I believe it's right and try to hold up for what I think is right, well, I, you're still lost. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. You won't be saved, you'll be lost. See, it must be that inside control, man. Well, I've spoken tongues, Brother Branham. Well, don't you believe in speaking in tongues, Brother Branham? Absolutely. Well, I shouted, don't you believe that? Yes, sir. I live a good Christian life, don't you believe in that? Yes, sir. But still, that don't mean you're saved. 
you're a good person, clean, moral, holy, good person. So was those priests, religious to the core, so religious that one misconstrued they'd be stoned to death. The death penalty of fooling with the Word of God was death. Amen. That's what's the matter with our country today. The reason we've got so many loose leaf things in the earth today, the penalties are not strong enough. If a man was caught running out with another man's wife, they should both be taken out in public and castrated. Right, public or loose. That's right. If a man's caught doing anything wrong down the road, speed, he can be given less than ten years. He's pre- premeditated murder. See? You put penalties like that on, you slow them down. But when some crooked politician can get to this and over here and pass it off and say, well, he was uh, drinking a little, he was uh, didn't mean to do that, and a kill a man, wife, and a whole bunch of innocent children, let the Ricky get by with it. <laughs> that's politics. That's the world. That's the devil. God said if a man was caught in adultery or a woman, take him out there and stone him to death. That settled it. If he's even caught picking up a st- weight of a stick on the Sabbath day, take him and stone him. They live by it. And now, see, we don't have them kind of laws today, but the Christian, the church, what I'm talking to this morning, that law of God is in your heart. Amen. You have no desire to do it. It's inside here. You want to keep God's law so perfect, no matter what it is, you want to be just one. If, if God needs a doormat at the door, He wants you to be that doormat. You're so happy to be that. No matter what it would be, you want to be the doormat. Whatever God wants you to do, that's what you want to do. Because it's God. Now, that's where you really find your real, genuine, true love for God. Now, we find out then that an angel would preach anything else besides what's already been said in the Bible. Let him be cursed. Nobody can't do that. This must be just exactly the way it says. And again, we read in Revelations 22, 18 and 19, if any man will add one word to this or take one word from it, God will take his part out of the book of life. Right? God will take his part. Though he be a minister, whatever he may be in his word, his name is wrote on the book of life, God said, let's rub it right off. That's right. If he adds one thing to it or takes one word from it, that's how infallible God has made His Word. See? You can add to the church or take from the church. Don't you add to that Word or take from it. Because God will take your name right off the book of life. And that's You're finished then. You can't add to it or take from it. It's just exactly what... It needs no interpreter. For the Bible said that God does His own interpreting of the Bible. It's of no private interpretation, said Peter. All right? And all the Scripture is divinely given, divinely set in order, and the whole thing is a revelation of Jesus Christ. The New and Old Testament where they foretold of Him coming, what He would do when He got here, and what He would do in this age to come. So that makes Him the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Like in Hebrews, there when Paul wrote it, He's God, Jesus Christ, yesterday of the Old Testament. He's Jesus Christ today, manifest in the flesh, and He's Jesus Christ forever in the Spirit to come. See? See? Same yesterday, today, and forever. And he ever lives to make his word live what it said it would do for that age. He is alive. He was alive in the Old Testament. Manifested. I just want to uh, let you see a little something here if you can stand it. Watch. When Jesus was manifested in the Old Testament as we believe it. Now you preachers out there, you're going to argue with it, do whatever you want to, but I'm talking for my, what I think. 
when Jesus was manifested in the Old Testament in a theophany in the person of Melchizedek. Not a priesthood, but the person, the man. For this man had yet not been born, but he was in a theophany, so he had no father, no mother. He was God himself. He was manifested in the form of a man called King of Salem, which is King of Peace and King of Righteousness. See? He was Melchizedek. He had neither father nor mother, beginning of days or ending of life. See? It was Jesus in a theophany in the form of a man. Could you go there? All right. Then he was made actually human flesh and dwelt among us. In the person of Jesus Christ himself, born to the Virgin Mary. He come in that form so he could die and went back into heaven. Now, in this last days, he has promised to manifest himself in the fullness again of his flesh in spirit. See? For as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Now, look at the Sodom, how it's set and what's taken place. And Jesus Christ being manifested in bodily form of his church today. See? Doing the same thing, same work, same things that he did all the time, never changes. The eternal one. See? And up on earth today, he has manifested himself in the human bodies, our human bodies that he has called, and done exactly the same thing he done in sundry times, and in the times of his flesh upon the earth, and doing the same thing today. Because God in sundry times spoke to the fathers, to the prophets, in this last days to His Son, Jesus Christ. See? The Son being revealed in the last days, God manifested in human flesh, setting just before Sodom's destruction, the end of the Gentile world. You see it? There's three manifestations. Now the next thing happens is when it's all gathered up into that one person, Jesus Christ, bride and body. At the physical return of the Lord Jesus, making his three times when he was brought on earth, killed, crucified, raised up, manifest himself in the form of his body, which is his bride, the woman. You get it? She's part of his body. And the woman and the man is just so close together till they're just all, they are the same. They ought to be anyhow. There they are. See, they're just exactly uh, manifested the same. She's a part of him because she was taken out from him. And the bride today is taken out from the body of Christ, which is acting and doing just exactly like he said it would do for this day. The bride, the queen, king, and the queen. All right. We're getting late now, so we're going to have to hurry and get through. All right. The entire Bible is the entire revelation of Jesus Christ making himself known to every age. He made himself known in the days of Luther as a foundation, the church, the foot, the legs. Like he did King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember how he dreamed those dreams and come from the head down? See? Now he comes from the feet up. See? In the Babylonian kingdom, he showed all those Old Testaments. He come from the head down until he come down to God himself become flesh at the foot of the ladder. Now here in the New Testament, he brings himself right back up again to the head again, the head of gold to be crowned. See? Look. You get it? See? God was in the beginning. And he kept coming down through the prophets and on down until God himself became human like us, plumbed down at the foot of the ladder, a baby born in a manger. Hated, rejected, despised, a bad name and everything he was. Then he started rising. See, and from the feet he began to build the church, the bride, coming back, on back, and now coming out into the headstone. (laughs) 
<laughs> where it all joins together and makes the one great uh, transfigured body of Jesus Christ. God is revealed in every age by His promised Word to that age. Now, let's just look what some of His promises is for today while we're closing now in these last words. Now, God is revealing Himself in the evening light time. Let's see. Now, we see... I've got a bunch of scriptures right down here. As you can see on this page, how many scriptures are written there. But we just got about 15 minutes to 12. I want to get out. And I haven't gotten hoarse this morning speaking. Sometimes these air conditioners here makes me real hoarse. So if uh, Brother Neville don't... You ain't got anything for tonight? No. I'll, 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 it's all right. I got something. I found a cigarette pack the other day laying in the woods. And I got a message from that cigarette pack for tonight. No Lord willing. So... um. I've got these scriptures here. I don't want to run over time so I can get back a cigarette pack speaking. <laughs> All right. I was starting out through the woods and there I laid a cigarette pack. And I walked on the way. I thought, well, somebody's ahead of me. And something said, turn back and pick that up. I thought, pick up a cigarette pack, not me. Something said, turn back and pick up a cigarette pack. <laughs> I went out. There's the old empty pack. And I seen something. I'll tell you about it tonight, the Lord willing. All right. Now we're going to speak about evening lights just for a few moments. The Bible predicts that there would come a time right at the closing time that the sun would come out and there would be an evening light. We all know that, don't we? We, we're, we who are familiar with our message today from the Lord Jesus, we believe that there will be an evening light. And this evening light, well, of course, the great light will come when Jesus himself will be manifested here on earth or up in the heavens, taking away his bride, and then the millennium will set in. But... We've got one of the most dreadful times to go through that ever laid before human beings. And I'm just waiting for the hour. And when we get, everybody can get a chance where you get off from work and spend a few days. And we can get set up somewhere where I can speak on those plagues and things that's to fall in the last days. And throw about two or three weeks together and bring that together if the Lord lets me live to do it. And will inspire me to do so. See how those things will be dropped in in those thunders. Then you'll find out what that man and that people have been dreaming about and all these things there. It'll come to pass. You'll notice what them reveal. A great thunder of coming forth out of, the, out of the skies. Now, of course, a whole bunch of you, you know it. I know what that, what that means, you see. And, um, but let's just wait till the time comes, you see. Now, it'll be more in season. Now, so uh, we are going to read some of these, these scriptures in here. Now, in the evening lights come. Now, we notice that it'll have to be the same light that was in the morning. Because there's not one sun in the morning and another sun in the afternoon. It's the same sun. Same sun. It's in the afternoon, is in the morning. Same in the morning as in the afternoon. I said the day itself, the day between that time, would be kind of like a, oh, like a dismal, dark day. It could not be called day or night in between that. See, that's the forming of the body from the feet coming up. When he was here on earth, he was the sun, the lightness. Then he was killed. The church took his place and murdered him and went through the dark ages and began to build on the foundation coming out. Then where does the sight come from? At the top of the head. See that vision? Nebuchadnezzar? See him going down from the beginning of the Gentile age before the blood was shed for them and made an atonement. They were proselytes brought him, but notice it went right down, right down, right down to the bottom in symbol. See? 
brought it down, then it started right back, coming back to the church, coming back to the feet, coming up. Amen. Now it's in the head time. Head time. Now, notice, the light, you can't see with your hands, yet it's part of the body. You can't see with the ears, yet it can hear. You can't see with the nose, yet it smells. You can't, you can't see with the lips, though it speaks. See? That was a Pentecostal age. But now it's in the eye time. The seeing. Okay? Now there isn't one moving faculty beyond the eye. Is that right? The next is the intelligence, which is Christ itself, who controls the whole body. No moving motion beyond that. Everything else is moved. See? Move your feet, move your muscles in your legs, move everything. Move your, uh, your ears can move, your nose, your lips, and so forth. But after your eyes, there's nothing moves. That's why the claim that man get bald-headed quick is because, see, there's no exercise to develop the muscles in, in the hair, the scalp. If I've got a cushion so they get blood up in there, the blood won't pump through. See? Won't go up and furnish blood because the hair root lives by blood. And now we find out that that part, you see, there's nothing beyond the eye. Now let's find out. It shall be light about the middle day. At the evening time. What is light sent for? So you can see where you're, how to get around. Now I see where you're at. It shall be light about the evening time. Now, we take that uh, now and compare it over with Malachi 4. He promised that there would be light come again in the evening time. See? For behold, I will send to you Elijah the prophet, and he will re restore the, the children back to the fathers. The fathers to the children. Is that right? Lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, let's take John, uh, St. Luke 17.30. And watch what Jesus prophesied there, saying that as it was in the days of Sodom, it will be the same. Now remember, notice, this is at the time that the Son of Man would be revealed. The revealing of the Son of Man. Now the Son of Man was actually revealed potentially just for a few moments there, just before uh, Sodom was burned. Now that man was Elohim. That was God. And Jesus is God. And God was revealed potentially right there for a few moments to talk to Abraham in the investigation judgment just for a little bit. The Son of Man was revealed. The Son of Man, Elohim. Do you see it, church? The Son of Man, Elohim, was revealed just for a few minutes. For the very next morning, she was burned. When? Before the sun could come up again. So there can't be no organization left. Neither can there be any further advancement in what's going right now. For she'll burn before the day breaks. Again, the revival's over across the nation. There ain't going to be no more revivals. Big sweeping revivals. This nation never receive it. They might have an intellectual gathering. But I mean a spiritual revival. We've seen all of it. I hope you're catching it. I'm saying it in such a way that I hope you get it. See? It's over. A fine minister said a while ago, said, Brother Bram, if I could just have the joy of the Lord in my heart. I said, Son, the revival's over. See? Now, the stabilizers have been put on the ship. Great fearful waves are out here before us. 
But we know just beyond that wave, Your Honor, we're nearing the shore. Okay? We're nearing the shore. Just stay stable. Just stay in the Word. Stay with God. No matter how you feel, what anything else, stay right with the Word. Let, let, let it stay stable. We see all these great big old clouds around us and storms are coming and atomic bombs and everything else they're talking about. But our stabilizer is right straight in the Word. God said it would be here. We'll crest every one of them. Yeah, we go right over the top of them. Yes, indeed. We, they can't sink us. They can't drown us. You put us in the grave and we'll come out again. That's just all there is to it. There ain't no way in the world to keep it down there. We'll caress every one of them because our great chief captain is calling at the other side. We're anchored in Jesus. The storms of life I'll brave. I've anchored in Jesus. I fear no wind or wave. Whatever it might be, let it come. What may, what will. Doesn't make any difference. We're anchored right there in Jesus. If I live, I'll live to the glory of God. If I die, I'll die to the glory of God. I, I, I just want to, it's, it's to the glory of God's what I want to do. And when that's all over, I don't want to stay any longer. I want to go to where, to my reward that He bought for me. Not what I earned, but what He bought for me. What He gave to me by His grace. So, we see the evening lights here. And what does it do to have light if you don't have any eyes to see how to get around in it? What is the evening light? The light comes on to reveal something. Is that right? If there's something here you're feeling, you can't understand what it is in the darkness, then turn the light on. It's to reveal. What's Malachi 4 to do? See? Do the same thing. What was opening of the seven seals to do? Where all these denominations staggering around in this test is to reveal. Bring out. If you haven't got any eyes, then what's used to reveal? There has to be eyes first to see. Amen. Is that right? To reveal, Malachi 4, reveal St. Luke 17.30, St. John 14.12, also John 15.24, 16.13. And to also reveal Revelations 10.1-7, the opening of the seven seals, and the seventh angel's message, to open up, to reveal when the evening lights come. Now, if a man in the Lady of Sin age the people were what? Naked? Are they? Blind. What good does light do to a blind man? If the blind leads the blind, don't they all fall in the ditch? Naked, blind, and don't know it. Even their mental faculties are gone. Their spiritual faculties, a mental, a spiritual understanding. See? Heady, High-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, truth-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, and despisers of those that are good, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, the power of revelation. They don't even believe in it. See? They don't believe in such things as prophets and so They don't believe in it. They believe it. the Malachi force to be a certain church or certain organization. When he come the first time, he was a man. When he come the second time with a double portion, he was a man. When he come in the form of John the Baptist, he was a man. In the last days, when the evening lights begin to shine, eyes will become open, and you'll see where you're going. Then the body is already formed, standing up on its feet, taking motion, moving. 
by the Holy Spirit. What? The same one that moved up on the prophets that wrote the Bible? The same Holy Ghost moving in a body. Filled with the Holy Ghost, moved in the Holy Ghost out of every organization, every kindred tongue, and people. A little lady here, she don't belong in this organization or this organization, belong in this congregation. She comes from somewhere else. And she come in this morning, got a picture there. She was giving to my son, is very much astonished. I don't know if she ever heard about this, and I don't know. She had a picture of this angel of the Lord that was on the seven church ages, seven seals opened out there when it did. She said, look back through there, and she's seen that standing in the sky in a dream. And she looked back through there and seen that, seen somebody in white marching forward. And behind it said, look, said, Brother Brandt, it was you. And said, marched in there, said, behind you was people of different colors packing banners, Georgia, Alabama, all different kind of places, marching forward, coming up into the headship to where Christ was being revealed into the vision. Oh, hallelujah. We're in the last days, in the last hours of the days. Do you see him now in his word? And all of his word made manifest right here before us. Oh, church of the living God, get to your feet. Believe him with all that's in you. Hold to that little wheel in the middle of the wheel. Let it stabilize every move and every motion that you make, every thought that you have. May it be controlled with this tower on the inside of you. Because God is setting right in His Word of this hour, in the evening light, showing forth the light, the blindness of a bat. You could turn on a light and a black bat would be so blind he couldn't fly. A hoot owl, all those night prowlers and things like that, roaches and things can't see in the daytime. They don't know what it's all about. They can't see. And the evening lights has come on. Every parable, everywhere we go to nature, to the Bible, to the, the statues that Melk, uh, Daniel saw and, and, and the king of that day, all of them saw and all these things, every body, every form, every move, every place in the body, positionally shows us the very hour that we're living in. Not another move can come above it. There was a move of the hand, Charity Wesley. There was a move of Foundation Luther. Charity never was a greater. It's called uh, uh, the Wesley move. They sent missionaries to all the world. One of the greatest moves that was made in, in the age before that. Then come the Pentecostal age. Then come in the different fingers and things of Pentecostal age of tongues and nose and so forth. Now it's in the eyes. What good would you need eyes or need light if that eyes wasn't there to see? There has to be eyes first to see. And then when that come, he opened the seven seals and revealed the evening light. Taking all the mysteries that's been hid down through these church ages. And now reveal them as he promised to do in Revelations 10, 1 to 7. Here we are today sitting in the midst of the word and the word being revealed to us by Jesus Christ. Then this is God's word. Amen. And be his subjects, we must walk close to the author to understand it. For to reveal, O Lord, what will thou have to me to do? If I must go to the fields and preach the gospel, or must I stay at home? No matter what it is, if I must be a good housewife, if I must be a good mother, if I must do this, that, or the other, whatever it is, if I must be a farmer, if I, whatever it is, Lord, what would you have me do? Wasn't that what Saul cried out down there, Lord, what would you have me do? He was down the church, on his road down to, to, 
put all the church in the prison. But then he cried out, what would you have me do when the light turned on as a big pillar of fire hanging above him? What would you have me do? I think that's a good word to close on. To say, Lord, what would you have me do? When I see this scripture so perfectly revealed right now, Lord, what would you have me do? Let us bow our heads. I asked everyone in here to search out your hearts now. And ask that question, Lord, what would you have me do? And you people, if you're still on the telephone wires out across the nation, you bow your head and ask, Lord, what would you have me do? Seeing that we're here in the last days and the last hours, just so perfectly before us, so plainly revealed, what would you have me do? Dear God, while they're asking you that question, I ask myself to you, what would you have me do, Lord? As I realize that each day must be counted for, and I pray that you'll help me, Lord, to live so that each day it'll be counted to your honor and glory. I pray that you'll help everyone all across the nation and those here that's present in the tabernacle as we search out our hearts and say, Lord, what would you have me do? What could I do, Lord, to further your kingdom and your cause? Grant it, thou God. Search us our hearts and try us if there be any iniquity in us, Lord, any selfishness, any bad motives or objectives. Oh, God, cleanse us with the blood of thy Son, Jesus Christ, who we humbly accept his propitiation of his death and his resurrection and being justified by believing that he did this, we gladly accept the plan of salvation that you've given to us. Father, we thank you for the message of the day, what we believe and what we hold on to, to know and believe that it's your word and your message. Not to be different from the other people, but to try to be more like Jesus Christ, who is our example. Dear God, laying here is handkerchiefs, and there's sick people everywhere. And I myself, Lord, am tired and wore out this morning. I pray that you'll help us, dear God. We look to you for strength. You are our strength. You've helped so many, dear God. The other day, thinking down there in that woods, walking around with Brother Banks' woods, one of the doctors, his heart was so bad he couldn't hardly walk around. Then to think how little I know it up there, walking in those mountains after that vision, I must get that line. I must see that line killed. Then coming down there and standing there in Tucson, at first cafeteria sees clothes all bagging down. His eyes drooped. Said, God, if you can show a vision where a line is, surely you can show about Brother Woods and then it come. Lay your hands upon him. And here he is today, back our Brother Banks again, strong, running up and down those mountains. How we thank thee, dear God. You're the same God to all of us as you would be to Brother Woods. I know you love him because he's your servant, honest and sincere. And I pray, dear God, that you'll deal with each one of us and forgive our sins and heal our sicknesses of our bodies. Make us more like you day by day, Lord, until we come in that full statue of Jesus Christ. Grant it, Lord. I trust that you've searched every heart now and we know what to do. We ask 
for you to bless us now in Jesus' name. And while we have our heads bowed, is there any here present or out in the, in the telephone land across the nation that would just like to, while you're praying and your head bowed, just raise up your hand to God now. That's all you can do. It's crowded in here this morning. Just raise up your hand to God. Say, God, make me more like Jesus. I, I, I want to be more like Jesus. God bless you. Out into the land across the nation. Hands just everywhere, just a solid mass. Also, mind lifted up. I want to be more like Him. Search me, Lord, and find if there be any evil in me. Take it out. I, I want what we're just here so long. We're going to leave whether you're, no matter what you are, how rich, how poor, how young, how old. Standing yesterday to a, a little poor bunch of people way up in a mountain down at the, on the creek. There's a little family there, a man I've been talking to about God for so long. Come down, his little wife, seven or eight children, him, a little bitty spindly thing out there trying to work a couple dollars a day. And a man let him live in a little shanty. And there his wife up there, nearly ready to have another child. And she had a big broad axe up there chopping wood to pull it down, baby on one hip pulling the wood with another, come down to cut that wood to can of some blackberries, keep them going hungry through the winter. My, how we felt sorry for her. Brother Woods and I went and got the truck and went over there and cut her wood and brought it in. She's a grateful little woman. You stand there. I felt sorry for her. We kept praying for them and our little baby took epilepsy. We went and prayed for the little baby and God healed it. And the other day, her husband had a hernia. Went in. I've been talking to him. He smoked both of them. She used tobacco and he did too. Typical of mountain people. And then I uh, kept talking to him about it. Yesterday morning when I went in about daylight, here he come walking out holding his hands together and said, Brother Billy, I'm a changed man. He said, I've smoked my last cigarette and I'm over on the Lord's side. She said, I just smoked my last one too. Oh, plant the seed. I, the Lord, have watered. I'll water it day and night, lest some shall pluck it from my hands. Oh, God, be merciful now, I pray. And give us the desire of our heart, because in our hearts we want to serve you. Now, Father, they're all in your hands everywhere. They're your children. Deal with them according to mercy, Lord. Not in judgment, but in mercy. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You love him? All your heart. Now you have the handkerchiefs. Can't get them. And now our services, I think they start a little early. 7 o'clock or something like that. Brother Neville will announce it just in a minute about when to start. And is there a baptism, I guess, this morning? The water is ready. If somebody here and has not yet been baptized in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, well, certainly water is ready for the baptismal service. We appreciate all the minister brothers. I see Brother... How's your meeting? Went all right, Brother Parnell and Brother Martin and also many of them here. Brother Lee Vale. There's just ministers all over the place. We certainly appreciate you being here, fellowshipping with us around the world. Maybe you might not agree with me just exactly on this. Don't ask you to, you see. The only thing you just consider it. Once you tell me, I consider it. If ministers would pick up the tape, they say, well, I disagree with that's all right, my brother. You may be shepherds, some sheep. You, you feed them whatever you wish to. I'm trying my best to stay right with the Word.
for these that's been put in my hands for God. Because sheep want sheep food. Of course, my sheep hear my voice. And that's what we live by every word that proceeds. Not all, not just a word now and then, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what the saints should live by. Let us stand out to our feet. While we bow our heads, Brother Neville, you got something you want to say to us? Brother Man? All right. Everybody feeling good, say amen. amen. All right. Now let us bow our heads and go to ask Brother Lee Vale if he'll come up here or he can. If you can get over there, Brother Vale, if you can. Brother Vale is our brother here, a writer of the books. He's getting the book ready now, The Seven Church Ages and Working with the Seven Seals. And we'll soon hope to have him out pretty soon. All right, Brother Lee Vale. God bless you.